This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Guys, working class on DeerCast. We're back for another episode. Kurt Geyer here and joining via the interwebs, my buddy Sean Polk from the East. The Great East is here. What's up, man? How's it going, man? Good to see you again. Good to see you. We miss you here in the Midwest. I know. I need to get back. I, I need to next year. I got to definitely get, make plans to get back out there again. I know. I figured this fall is going to be the fall that you come back to Illinois and try and chase a, another buck around. I would have if Dan was going to go, but Dan, uh, with work, he couldn't make it, and I didn't really want to make that drive all by myself. It's good to have a buddy, but now, like, we have the studio. We have You have a built-in hunting camp in Illinois to stay in. Yeah, but that, that's, that drive is long by yourself, but, I mean, you you drive out to Wyoming, so you, you that's so no big deal to you. For people who don't know, who are you, where are you from, and then how far a drive is it from where you're at to Illinois? So... I'm Sean Polk. I'm from originally from Connecticut, and that's where I'm at right now, where my family lives. But uh, I live in Virginia now, um, Southeast Virginia. And to get all the way out to where you're at in Illinois was about 15 hours. Oh, yeah, that's easy work compared to my drive to Wyoming. I got like 22 by the time I get to like where we start hunting. Yeah, that's like 15. like becoming numb to it. Yeah. Well, yeah, you've done it how many times now? Too many. Like, I'd be better off to just get, like, an apartment out there, like a cheap one-bedroom apartment, and just kind of, like, just keep my stuff there at this point. But, um, but no, man, I thought this would be fun to talk. You know, there's a ton of hunters out in the eastern states, and I'm being very vague when I say eastern states, but I think everybody knows what I mean. Um, There's so many hunters, so many good hunters, and a ton of passionate hunters, and I kind of feel like, from a the WCB platform perspective, and even with DeerCast and Drury Outdoors, 
we're so Midwestern based, which I do consider it's the heartland. The, it's the king for whitetails, right? It's the king states for whitetails where we're at. Um, so I feel like a lot of Eastern state hunters might get a little frustrated with some of it. Maybe, maybe, or maybe it is not relatable. And some of the content that gets put out normally um, in the whitetail world. Do you feel that way? Um, no, I mean, I, I mean, to me, that's what the, that's like the pinnacle is hunting out there. So I like hearing about that because it might not necessarily be exactly how the hunting is out where I am, but I mean, that's the kind of hunting that I dream about and like places that I want to go and, you know, target whitetails. Okay. That's an interesting perspective, but you don't feel like, man, I wish they do more Eastern stuff. It's more relatable. I, me personally, I don't. Interesting. I wonder if I interviewed 10 guys that hunted, hunted primarily Eastern states, what percentage would have your similar answer? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I like that, that the content in like that Midwest um, type of hunting uh, content, just because, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we have some big bucks out here and there's definitely areas that have big bucks out here, but you're not going to have a whole ton of stories about guys shooting booners out here as much as in as often as, you know, your crew shoots big bucks out there. Would you say where you're at in Virginia, what's like, you know, like you, you could say like a 135 to 145 class buck here is like, you're getting into like what a big buck looks like. It's a great buck. Um, not huge by any means. Of course you get your fifties, your sixties, your seventies, and then your freaks. Um, I'd say anything 65 or bigger is getting into that freak range for most people, right? Like there's exceptions to the rule, no matter how you slice it. But if a 35 to a 45 buck is like where a buck starts to get big here, what, what do you think comparable would be? So Virginia, I would say that's probably the same in Virginia. They, they kill a lot of like really nice deer in Virginia. Um, you know, there's some Facebook pages that I see some pictures and my dad, he's on there too, just, just to check it out. And he's like, man, I can't believe those are coming from Virginia. Now the bodies are small, mm -hmm. um, but uh, like up in Connecticut where I mainly hunt now, if you shoot Pope and young like that, I'd say that's a really good deer. here. Yeah. It's almost like a 10 inch or more creep from some of those, I guess, lesser genetic. And there's a lot working against some of those Eastern States as well, but. Yeah. I mean, up here, there's definitely, you know, I mean, I've sent you some trail cam pictures of some, some good ones that I've had. And, you know, we have some good deer here. You just don't find them as regularly as where you guys are. Yeah. And like you said, there's different reasons. I mean, Connecticut, we have, I mean, you could shoot, God, just your bow tags. You could kill two bucks. If with gun tags, you could kill one with shotgun, one with muzzleloader. So, I mean, you could kill a lot of bucks here and, you know, a lot of people just, aren't into letting the younger ones grow and get to reach maturity. They're just filling tags pretty much. And so, yeah, like I mean, when you get that many tags, a lot of people are like, well, if I see a big one, I'll still have another tag for that one. So I could shoot this spike when I have an opportunity. Yeah. I feel like too, cause Illinois as a resident, like I can shoot two bucks with my bow, you know, that's, I always buy my, I always buy two combination tags right off the rip because you never know. You could get lucky that one year where a big buck comes in and you put an arrow through him and then here comes another one. If you don't have your other tag bought, then you're SOL. But um, I feel like that, and I'm, I've am i been guilty of that. It's like 
shoot a good buck and then hold out for the bigger one. Um, but you know, you always try to shoot a big buck. So I don't know if that's good or bad or if that hurts or helps, but it's nice knowing I can shoot two bucks as a resident in my home state, you know? Oh, for sure. And I mean, I used to growing up, I mean, I was all about filling the freezer and, you know, our family ate a lot of deer meat. So I was all about shooting whatever buck or doe that I had opportunities at because I, I was the same way. I knew I had more tags. Mm-hmm. But now I've gotten, you know, kind of graduated to the next level where I want to let the younger ones. And now that we have our own farm where we could manage them and let them grow, I'm about letting them get not necessarily having to be monsters, but, you know, get to maturity and, and hunt mature bucks now. Yeah. Cause mature doesn't always mean giant antlers. No, I mean, here, I mean, I killed one. Oh, uh, I guess it was three years ago. Now it was aged at seven and a half years old, but mm. I mean, he was, you know, no giant by any means. He was yeah, nothing crazy. He was a good eight pointer. Do you ever hear the story about that buck that, um, uh was in indiana where we were hunting we called them uh for 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 this series being clean we called them uh wd which <laughs> yeah i remember that one and that buck um really needed shot and i should have shot him i don't know how old he was but like just a bully but like no rack on him like for people who would have no idea about the deer depending on how he looked in the photos and how you like presented them if you could if you could if you could showcase his maturity in a photo then people would be like, wow, that thing's ancient. But if they just looked at the antlers, you'd think a uh, year and a half year old. Like, wow. like I'm talking just like scrub, broke every tine off, just, but just an old, mature, just bully. So I don't know if he's still around. He's got to be 10 now. Yeah. So. Up here, that, that buck for being seven and a half up here, that was really like to me, it was really impressive. I haven't heard of it. It's impressive any- anywhere. But that was pretty cool because I, I just knew he was older because I had previous pictures of him from previous years. So I recognized yeah. him. But what so you've hunted Illinois, uh, you and Dan came out. What what's your what's your favorite thing about hunting like the Midwest, like in, from that experience? And and, and then I want to compare, right? You know, some of your eastern state experiences to like that what you said earlier, like it's what you dream about for whitetails is being in the Midwest. Yeah. So coming out to hunt the Midwest, I mean, granted, I know not of 150s around every corner, but you know that you have that opportunity to run into a world-class animal. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, out here, it's still possible, but it's kind of a one in a million opportunity to run into a, a, a booner. But even on public land out there, I still knew that that opportunity was there. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's you know what draws you out there and just seeing the type of um terrain and habitat that you kind of watch you know watching hunting shows on tv like watching jury shows and just seeing the difference and um from how it is out here and it was cool to get out there and get to experience that and just really see like a lot of deer sign like we don't have at least where i hunt i don't see those defined like a blind man can walk into a trail and see like, Oh my God, like the deer using this, like a highway. Like, oh, really? That, That's an interesting comparison. No, there's, I mean, at least where I hunt, there's like, except for where they're coming into like a, a food plot that we have. I mean, a couple of those entrances, I mean, that, that you could tell that they're using that heavily, heavy, heavy. But yeah. other than that, most places it's a lot of 
a lot of random movement. They're not necessarily always using like a specific trail. And I wonder if that's like the deer density here is greater. I don't uh, know. I don't know if, if that's it or if it's just the way the habitat is set up or mm. um, I'm not real sure, but it's, it's just, we have a lot of like really mature hardwoods where I am. So I don't know if it's, there's just a lot of open, open area for them to walk in, in the woods or, or what it is, but it's. Yeah, that might make sense. So is that what a lot of guys refer to as the big woods, you know? It was here. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, um, now some areas of where we hunt in Connecticut, like there's a lot of people that hunt residential type areas where you might be hunting on an acre or a couple acres and you might, some people sit in a tree stand and can see somebody at the kitchen sink in there, you know, next door. Um, but the, the areas that I hunt are, have a lot more of what I would call like a big woods feel kind of, um, mm -hmm. And we don't have the uh, really um, like a lot of ag like you guys have out there. Yeah, um, our our ag I think opens up a lot of opportunity to create game plans from a map. And I know like a lot of big, you know, you're fine. You're combing through with with a fine tooth comb to find um, game plan areas when it comes to big woods that might necessarily might not have the terrain you want, but like our fields and cuts into the timber. And now they're just trying to squeeze everything they can out of fields here in the Midwest. So um, there's a lot of pinches and cuts. And um, so it's like good starting points to look at. And I think that has a big effect on how deer move naturally through the topography, kind of like man-made um, inflicted, I guess. Yeah. And like where I hunt, like in Connecticut, we have no beans, like, I've never seen beans anywhere in Connecticut. Um, the really? areas on, it's all um, it's all corn, like silage, corn for for cattle feed and um, stuff. Yeah, yeah, a lot of uh, dairy cows and uh, a lot of hay too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm. I, soybeans are good, man. Like they're good early and then they're good late. You know, like now, um, time of recording this, like all the beans are changing. And now a lot of deer are off beans. So that's like right now at this time, I'm seeing a lot, a lot of new deer or deer that I was expecting to see uh, just with like the crop rotation and stuff like that. So like that plays a big factor and like deer you see in the summer, deer you see or don't see in the fall or when they show up, at least in my experiences, I'm sure a lot of guys could argue that. But um, so that's one thing you don't even have to really worry about out east. Is no, I mean, like the farms that I hunt, we got probably probably uh, 15 acres of corn on our farm right now. Um, and they plant that really late and that'll probably, probably won't come out until sometime next end of next month, probably. Mm -hmm. um, and the other farm, they've already, he's already cut all the corn and they probably only had five acres of corn or maybe seven acres of corn there and then uh they just do hay fields the other places but when we have good acorn years that makes it tough because they find food everywhere mm -hmm. right yeah and it's a lot of guys start throwing the word lull out there yep. because they're in the timber but so like that corn since you guys have significantly less ag like is that corn like a huge huge attractant like is it i i could because my perspective is if we have corn everywhere it's not a yep. big deal for a deer to get into a cornfield. 
out there is it like yeah we have 15 acres corn like seems like when they cut corn here deer are in it like right away is it that way there is it like as crazy of an attractant as i would think from a midwest mindset so i do see it but our like our farm our farm our corn is up closer to the road and to the house so mm. they definitely will hit it um some of the more secluded fields that used to be corn that now we do food plots in um when those were cut i mean that that evening like early evening I mean, they'd be out there but um you know they wipe it out pretty quick and then whatever whatever's left and then it's done but when we get bare um the bear knocked down a lot of corn and do a lot of damage. So I don't mind when that happens. Cause then that leaves a good amount that they can't get with the machine. And, uh, then right. that, that left and the deer were hitting that, uh, about December last year. Um, they were hitting that pretty hard last year. God, that's something I never considered. It's like, you guys are bears. I always forget about that. Yeah. And we can't even hunt them, but I mean, we get they're in Connecticut. Now we're getting more and more and more. And it's, it's crazy. They you can't hunt bears. Is it just, I know Carolinas have like some of the biggest bears, but like Virginia, you can't hunt them. Virginia, you can. Yeah. Um, Virginia, I mean, Virginia and Carolina, you could hunt them. Um, but uh, Connecticut, we can't hunt them yet. But uh, hopefully that'll come. But I don't know. It'd have to, unless uh, I don't know how Connecticut is with its politics, but a lot of people get weird about bears real fast. I'm sure it's not like favorable for politics. No, no. And that's, that's the only thing that's been stopping it here is, is the politics. You know, I really wish like if someone could just capture all the bears from Connecticut and let them loose in downtown Chicago, <laughs> that would be great. Like that's some politics I can get behind, you know? Oh yeah. What's that? So they do a lot of damage. Yeah. And I just, was, it'd be cool. Like just eat some city people, you know? Yeah, well, I wouldn't mind taking them to some of the cities around here either. <laughs> That's we shouldn't probably actually shouldn't joke about that because then like we'll we'll try to get canceled by Connecticut, Chicago. But um, it'd be good for them, I think. It'd be good for those people to get a taste of some bears, some bear interactions. You know, they might start thinking right again, or for yeah. the first time, let them snatch their their dog out of their backyard and and eat it and see how they like it. That's what I'm amazed at. Like California, you can't hunt mountain lions. And that, unless that's changed, but I don't, I don't know. As far as I know, I don't think it's changed, but it's, I don't understand that either. I mean, but you can watch YouTube video after YouTube video of security cams of guys like golden retrievers and stuff getting jacked out of the backyards by, by lions. It's like, we're not going to address this issue of like the influx in mountain lions, like still got to manage it. What's going on. But, um, but back to deer hunting. Did when you came from the Midwest or when you came to the Midwest and hunted, then went back home, were you kind of like, what was the feeling when you went back home? Did you feel like you were still in the Midwest, like you wanted to go back, or is it did you just adapt quick? Does that make sense? That yeah, question? Oh, I mean, I kind of adapted quick. I mean, it was you know, my whole mindset and my goal, um, or you know, my goal buck or what I was after, obviously, that that had to change very quick because. Right. I'm not going to see the same caliber of deer as what was out there. Um, and but, you did get uh, on bucks in Illinois, like for people that, if so we don't just skip over that detail, like you were in deer. Oh yeah. I mean, I was, I was drawn on a, a probably a 140, maybe 145. Um, I just first light, I couldn't see him in my peep and 
I had him 25 yards, but yeah, we had an opportunity for sure. Yeah. See, that's exciting. Like you come that far, at least you had, you know, it, it's more doable in all of these states than what people think probably, but it wasn't like you came out here and just like, I mean, did you even really see that many people? Cause you hunted public when you're out here. No, we didn't see, um, I'm trying to think of the two different places. We didn't, didn't really, really didn't see one place. We saw a couple cars, but not hardly anything. And then the other spot, cause when we came, we, our goal was to get there before the rut. So we got there like pre rut at the, we were there like Halloween, um, mm -hmm. like the week leading into Halloween. So our goal was to try and get on some good action, but beat the rush of, you know, everybody wanting to get there for the beginning of November, first week or two in November. Yeah, that's a smart game plan. I mean, it, it did work out. I mean, the deer were moving. The bucks were starting to get up. Like, it was a good good week to be there. I mean, proved that, that you you had a chance on it. And I don't know how hard that area gets hit, but I know it does get hit. Um, and I think last year, shouldn't be pumping up my state like this on the podcast, but but it's it's anywhere you go if you're willing to put in a little work and drive and spend the money to get out here. Um, we had a guy come out. I won't say his name so he doesn't get like put on blast and bothered for a spot, but he came out and killed a buck um in a similar area that you guys were in. Oh, really? So yeah, it's probably your buck. Yeah. <laughs> well, somebody killed the one that Dan Dan had seen. I remember you seeing it, you sending us a picture later in the year. Oh yeah, that was for sure that deer. Yeah. Man, I don't even remember how I got that information. I don't, I don't know because I think the guy got it during gun season. I want to say. Oh shit! Interesting. I forgot about that because he was on some good ones too. I was hoping so bad you guys would get one. And yeah, you know, we, close. We, had, we had good action, and then you know you got you got two nice ones when we were out there, so that was cool. We'll get to see those and and yeah. celebrate that too. So that was a good time. Yeah, you guys are my good luck charms. I need you guys to get back here this fall and do it again. Yeah, oh, I'm definitely coming back. Well, the nice thing is now, too, is like you kind of have the lay of the land. Like, it's just like anywhere. You go elk hunting for the first time. You're kind of just feeling it out. Like, maybe you don't expect to kill one. You hope you do. But then you know, like, okay, you did some of that scout work. You know, when you go back, you're already kind of, like, got an idea. And then you could take your intel a little further. Oh, yeah, for sure. Last time we – I mean, we kicked around – in one spot for a couple of days and it just really wasn't what we were looking for. So then we, we moved and then, you know, we got into deer pretty quick over there. So, you know, we would save all that time that we wasted the first half of the trip last time. And I mean, go right back to the spots where we had some action and some luck previous. So that would save us a lot of time there. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a real good point. Like just finding where they're at to challenge and then going in further, but I figured you'd find them in both spots just because I know there is deer there, but, but you're right. That's, it's a good point. So, um, yeah, man, that's interesting. So I feel like I've interviewed some people in the podcast, uh, Biddy Boosh, Rachel Bushak, a great friend of ours from Pennsylvania. And she did the podcast and I think she got a lot of good reviews, but some mixed reviews because she was very harsh on Eastern States and their hunting and some of the hunting culture. Did you ever listen to that episode? Yeah, I heard, I heard she, that one. She kind of, you know, so she kind of, I don't want to say she's bitter, 
because that that's a, a harsh way to put that but she's um you're a little more chill about it like you're just kind of like yeah man it's fun and then she's kind of like yeah hunting these states suck because this and she gave her reasons you know um yeah. i mean i'd say i'm i'm lucky that the i have access like we have our our family farm and then i have access to another 350 acre farm that really i'm the only one that hunts it and then my dad if and my dad comes out with me mm -hmm. um, so i have access to you know pretty exclusive property that well, i don't have to worry about sharing and we don't really have many neighbors that on those places that do hunt now some areas people probably have a lot different experience and they're dealing with people trespassing and, you know and yeah, the pressure yeah and I, I mean i do the one farm that that's uh my dad's buddies i mean i've caught a lot of people in there trespassing not hunting but just thinking that just because oh there's this big piece of property they think they could just hike right through it and ride four wheelers and do whatever they want they don't right you know the signs that's in the big gate and that says in the sign on the gate that says no trespassing you know they thought that that didn't apply to them but yeah it applied to everybody else but not that yeah yeah so that that part was frustrating there are a lot of people that just around here they're entitled and they think because somebody has a bunch of property that they just go do wherever they want but and, and i don't know if that's that's probably true everywhere but i just wonder what like i just feel like the hunter density is a little greater out there there's more people out east um yeah for sure and, and i think that's what rachel was kind of like expressing so like the pressure uh, maybe the some of the culture mindsets in the hunting, which is not bad. It's all perspective, which is why we're interviewing several different people from the eastern states. But like, what in, in general, what do you think would be the morale between you being chill and not really as worried about it? And we'll just for the sake of picking on Rachel, um, shout out to her. She's elk hunting right now. Hopefully, she gets one. Her being a ten as being like hostile and wanting to change things in the eastern states where do you think the average eastern hunter is at your from your perspective i know it's hard to speak on but for the sake of conversation let's try and nail it down i, I would say probably like if i'm thinking you know the state i mainly hunt is is connecticut so i'm going to think of connecticut as a whole um i would say the majority of people probably like things the way they are they like to fill a lot of tags they like mm -hmm. to have a lot of opportunity where they could hunt you know all year and and have a ton of tags that they could fill and then yeah. i see on social media there's you know a smaller majority that would like to have the number of tags reduced so we could get better quality deer mm -hmm. yeah no that, that's about what i thought it would be but that's good i mean i don't know like i that's tough to change i, I there's things that i would change about illinois and i'm sure everybody in whatever state they're from has something they would want to change about um, tags and restructuring how they restructure non-residents and all that. Cause I can't imagine Connecticut gets a ton of non-resident hunting unless it's someone like, you know, was born and raised there like you and, and just, you're from there. You just happen to live in a different state close by. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be a big draw unless, you know, you live like, I know there's some Massachusetts people that'll go over the border and, and hunt Connecticut. Um, but yeah, you're not going to be drawn in, you know, any people that have no ties or, or aren't close to that. I'm not coming from Illinois to Connecticut to hunt. Yeah. And I, if, I would laugh at you if you wanted to. <laughs> you know, I, 
I just don't ever see it happening. Like I've got invites to hunt Pennsylvania and stuff like that. And, um, it's nice, you know, I would, I probably will one day. Um, but like in the foreseeable future, I just don't uh, need to. And a lot of us too is like, why don't you go over here and hunt this piece? Like, Oh, you got a good piece of public. That's two hours to go hunt that. And my answer always is I'm not going to leave deer for deer. No, I mean, it, it makes no sense. I mean, if you have, you know, you kill a cal- caliber deer that you, you know, typically kill every year or that you get on every year, what do you need to go somewhere else for unless you have already filled those tags? Exactly. Yeah, for sure. So, but that being said, if I do fill my tags this year, if old WD is still living in Indiana, I might have to go uh, call him and I'll probably be doing him a favor at this point. Well, yeah, so, shoot. That was two years ago you saw him, right? I, he can't be alive still. He can't. I, if he is, I would be shocked. But we did get a picture of a deer last year that we were debating could have been him. But I don't know. It, I can't see. I don't see him making it very much longer. Is uh, Ross's uh, Don Vito buck still still alive? I I don't know. I I don't think so. I, I Ross would be the guy to really nail that down. That was that buck that just looked like Don Vito, you know, from Beaver Bam. Like he just big belly, slow going. Um, I hope he is. He's kind of become like a living legend, you know that old, just heavy kind of poor genetics, but just a monarch all at the same time. I mean, to me, deer like that, that get to that age are just as impressive, whether they're a 160 or they're, you know, 110. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if you got the tag, you know, maybe Illinois, you guys get two tags. So maybe that's not the one that you want to burn if you only have one tag. But like, I know. Hard to pass one- though. Yeah, because that one Ross last year, he killed an old buck last year too, didn't he? Yeah, an old brute, the old ones, the old ninety six. <laughs> <laughs> I give him crap about it because we would, if he would have killed like a one twenty five or better, we would have won bow hunting league. And then he shoots one with one side, and, and I'm not really giving him crap. I'm just kidding with him, you know. But I'm like, man, the one year, you know, you shot a two o two the year before and then he shoots a 96 inch or one side but an old mature deer yeah the year before it was double the score and then he cut it in half on the next book <laughs> right and it, it was a really cool deer i, I think it might have had kind of a one side i can't remember actually the way it was but he had a big abscess and just was in rough shape you know he he really did the right thing and i would have done the same thing but um, as far as Don Vito, the legend of Don Vito, I don't know. We, we need to do a podcast about that buck, just the, one of the ones that got away, you know? Yeah, I, I stopped hearing him, you know, in the in the group talking about him or mentioning him, so I didn't know if he was still around because I knew last year he killed the old one, but I remember he said that it wasn't Don Vito, so I didn't know uh, if yeah. Don was still out running around or not. Well, Ross has a trail cam video of Don Vito walking through. There's like a cattle gate. And he's like, come, it's, I think it's like an old cattle gate, something like that. He's walks out in this pasture and the way he's walking is just, it's really cool. And it's really pretty footage, but you almost, you can see his age and the way that he like gets around. He just looks like an old dog, you know, an old dog when it's just pushing at the end of its life and it's walking off the porch, how it's kind of like waddling and just moving slow. And you're kind of like, ah, poor thing, man. You know, that's how it walked. 
you just tell that it just everything hurts <laughs> every time. It hurt. Yeah, but but it's it's incredible when you think about a deer like that. It's like how has he avoid avoided death for that long? Because y'all got a lot of coyotes too out there, right? Yeah, look at Austin's situation. It's not. Oh falling. yeah, shoot, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had help not far. Uh, well, two days ago, I had, I don't know how many trucking pictures of coyotes in all five minutes. I mean, there may be 10 or 12 together, but I mean, coyotes, gun seasons, deer drives, uh, cars, farm equipment. I mean, that old buck had survived that for who knows how long. I mean, seven, eight, nine years or longer. Who I, We don't, I guess I'll have to ask Ross. I think Don Vito, we need to do a tribute podcast. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a good idea cut in some of the uh, old trail cam videos and pictures. Yep, exactly. And I wonder, you know, like, talk, you know, if any listeners are, are listening or watching this, like what's, man, that's a good segment. Like the one that got away, you know, we just talked with Lee Her about one that's a podcast. that's uh, I don't know if it'll be out yet or not, but just recorded, but he talked about a buck that got away, but it's like, I wonder how many of them like hunting camp legends, like them old brutes, like, how many of them stories are floating out that they, they have people have real history with not just one sighting. And then they told all their buddies, you know, I'm sure there's lots of crazy stories that, you know, ones that people seen years and years and years, just always one step ahead, you know, mm-hmm. couple, couple minutes too early, too late kind of deal. I was question it though, because if it's not like hard trail cam evidence with like some structure to the story, it's always fun to hear the stories, but I don't think you really believe them until someone's got like the patternable history. Cause it's like the old timer uh, stories you hear, which I love, you know, like growing up, there's a story, there's this cattle trough where they'd put cattle feed in. And for like eight years hunting this or longer, this old farmer's like the buck, the cattle trough buck is there every year. And it's just like, he was always like a 200 inch deer for 10 years, you know? Oh, geez. <laughs> so it's like, there's some truth to it. Probably a similar buck for years and years, but it's like, is it really the same deer? It's fun to think about, but probably not. Yeah. We had one, um, that one, I don't know if you remember, but it was, uh, that wide, that wide buck I had last year that I had sent you pictures mm-hmm. of for us. That was, I mean, me and you were talking and we were saying he'd probably go close if not 140 close to it and for us that was you know that's a really good deer in connecticut yeah i had him just based on years of trail cam pictures i would have said he was eight and a half at least yeah Um, but i never actually saw him i only had pictures of him and they were always always at night except for maybe like two in some like real real thick areas where i wouldn't even go in and hunt Mm -hmm. Um, and last year i I don't know that he's still alive we haven't seen him uh any pictures or history of him since november but last year my brother-in-law on opening day of gun season was supposed to hunt one uh take the day off was gonna hunt one of our food plots in this this blind that my dad built and he they own a uh his family owns a uh heating oil company so in the winter and the fall they get busy and he couldn't couldn't end up taking off and right at first light that morning 20 yards deer was dogging a doe right in front of that blind on camera (laughs) that's the way it works yeah i'm not 
I wasn't I wasn't too too disappointed because I knew he'd still be running around and I'd get a crack hopefully. But well, hopefully he shows up. I'm yeah. hoping. I'm Maybe hoping. I'll get him out. Yeah, he's he's always been around, but he just was sporadic and a lot of nighttime, you know, activity. I know a guy that used to hunt there before my dad bought it. He he'd seen him a couple times. Really, I've never actually seen him in person. Deer, they can elude you, man. Like uh, that creepy the buck i shot a few years ago was five i had him age he was five and a half and i knew about him for three years and i've seen him twice in person one of the times is when i shot him but that was his home range I, i'd have pictures of him a lot but it was just kind of like what's he doing there's missing pieces to the puzzle that i've you know since figured out of course but um so now i'm just hoping another deer does similar things as him because i'm like well now i, I know how to play that game if he plays the same game as that deer did um but dude, interesting conversation little eastern state midwestern stuff old legend stories are always fun but in the behind you you have like this insane trophy room and you showed me a little bit before we started recording so i was wondering if you could just give us a video tour with your yeah it kind of explain why the hell are all those animals there like what's the deal so i'll do the the best i can with carry my laptop around making sure you guys can see everything yeah you might just have to go a little slow but it looks it's good enough people are catching the vibe so this i'm at my dad's house and this is his trophy room it's a little dark but hopefully you could see pretty decent Mm -hmm. so he's basically been all over the world and goes on all kinds of crazy trips (laughs) it's so awesome that's like a Tom Miranda style trophy room, you know. Is that a rhino? Yeah. Full size rhino. Wow. His brown bear. Did your dad just kind of add like a Morton building style addition to your guys' house and then just finish it? In- um no, he did put an addition on for this room. Um, but it's he kept it consistent with the rest of the house, but yeah, he, he quickly ran out of room in uh, the, the other room. I mean, he has a pool table, and you used to not be able to play because you'd be bumping into an animal on the wall no matter where you turned. That's awesome, man. What a what a collection. Oh, he has a giraffe. Two giraffes. My brother shot one. Wow. There's one. Big kudu. All sorts of cool stuff. An elephant, a lion. Cape Buffalo crocodile. Yep. He's got a big gator. He hasn't got back yet. I think it was like 11 footer. That's incredible. Got the, yeah, that is, oh, that's a big kudu too. What's uh, this is going to be a question that's going to arise. They're going to ask what your dad does for a living. And I know, but I think it'd be <laughs> great if you explained it. <laughs> He's an OBGYN. Nice. <laughs> So, yeah, he delivers a lot of babies and uh, does other things for, <laughs> to uh, pay for all of this. Very cool, man. Nyala. Big Nyala. Yeah, that's cool. I've uh, I've always wanted to add on, like, like my wife and I were just talking, it's like, if we ever get the money one day, add on a room like that um, just for more space. But it's just kind of neat. Yeah, as big as this room is, uh, he's filled it up really, really quick. And he's got a lot of animals that are uh, still at the taxidermist that he hasn't even gotten back. And he's 
got more trips that he's got he's going on so he's always always adding to it so he's uh eventually he's going to build another house that it's going to be a smaller house but the the room will probably be room will probably be bigger than the rest of the house because he's going to need the space for the animals it's pretty incredible just have him build like a 120 by 120 shop and just fill that that's what i told him i told him up at the farm he's just got to put like one of those like morton buildings and then finish it real nice on the inside and just have it just freaking like a bar and pool table and just nothing but animals yeah and then just invite us out and we'll hang out and then like when he wants to pay for us to go on hunts together you know we'll just <laughs> yeah. do that <laughs> yeah there you go so just tell him i said that and then um let me know what he says uh yeah he'll be home in a little while i'll, I'll let him know just be like kurt i know you don't know him kurt it's a decent guy he said uh let's go on a hunt but you got to pay for it you have to fund it <laughs> <laughs> yeah like we'll go wherever you want to go you just pay for it yeah it's not a big deal i mean i'll bring the, i'll bring my microphone yeah, yeah. Well, you know we'll do a podcast you know maybe you'll get famous who knows yeah that's what i'm gonna start doing just going past you to get your dad on and just butter <laughs> him up until he yeah. takes us on hunts yeah he this wouldn't be a good one for him he'd do better on on the the working class episodes he would uh not be real well keeping it clean on here well we need to get him to fly out to the studio and have him tell some stories that'd be a good excuse just to come out oh that would be sweet he got stories for days he could what do you do it I, I mean might be able to get him to do it ask him. him that'd be fun wouldn't it you guys come stay here and we'll just do like we'll do sean's dad story series <laughs> and i'll just sit there and drink and just listen <laughs> yeah i have you i have your mic turned off <laughs> he's got stories for days you'd have to cut out some time and you know you could put a couple episodes together for that well you can tell i mean you know you know as well as i do as well as our listeners you know you go if a guy's got five whitetails in his trophy room each one of those deer is a good story a good long story if they if, if you got the time they'd probably be willing to tell it so as you look at a trophy room like that with i don't know what a hundred some animals in there i don't know what he's got but um uh, that's a lot of stories each oh, one yeah. story you know so it's pretty cool yeah it's cool stuff he's been everywhere he can start taking you a little more i guess huh yeah we've been some places he's yeah. some of the crazy ones uh i'm like you know some of them are pretty expensive and i'm like yeah i don't have the money and those ones he's not gonna pay for me to go kill some of the <laughs> some of the really expensive ones so yeah i i, I go on some of the other ones that's pretty cool, man. Well, thanks for uh, jumping on with me today. I know you're probably in the middle of your work day, so I appreciate you taking the time and BS in Eastern States and Midwestern hunting and uh, urban whitetail legends. So it's good to catch up with you, man. I think uh, the next time you need to be in studio trying to chase another Midwestern whitetail around. Sounds good to me, man. I appreciate you having me. It's good talking. Hey, where can people find you? Um, I got Instagram, uh, Polk, P-O-L-K-E 23 perfect you're a simple guy yep nice and easy my last <laughs> name and what my baseball number was that's it perfect well thanks everyone tuning in watching listening whatever you do we appreciate it you know what to do go shoot a giant later one of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on waypoint tv 
Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.